Hi, and welcome back to White Noise. Today, we are going to be transporting ourselves out of this insane heat to another summer that we've lovingly called the summer of aliens, even though we're going to be talking about one decade to the next. Couldn't think of what else to call it. <laughs> but I'm going to hand it straight over to Liana to explain what we're doing today, um, because she'll just explain it so much better than I will. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Okay, so thank you for the intro, Sky. Um, <laughs> basically, I've been on a bit of a kick watching horror documentaries as of late and got super into uh, Eli Ross' history of horror and, you know, Into Darkness, which I highly recommend. And I realised through watching them that one of my favourite films, The Thing, was released the same year as E.T. Obviously, they feature an alien. Obviously, they're both beloved now. But back when they came out in 1982, they had very different reactions from audiences. Mm -hmm. So the way we want to start this episode is by basically saying, we're going to be talking about aliens. And, you know, the broader alien genre, you know, sci-fi, the alien blockbuster in particular, I guess, is the best way to mm -hmm. put it. But um, yeah, really, we want to start with that summer of 1982 and mm -hmm. dissect why the thing flopped when it came out and why E.T. did well and has like public perception and enjoyment of alien blockbusters changed like do we take different things from these films now like that's the best way I can get into it so mm -hmm. do you have anything you want to start with so I couldn't have an opinion on if the thing deserved to flop or not until last night because <laughs> I don't know if you know this Liana I had ever never actually watched the thing <laughs> Wait, I'm just do you know what I'm not gonna get mad I'm happy you've seen it <laughs> you know a lot I mean if you've been listening to us for a while now like I do love film I love all kinds of different films but there's just some stuff I haven't watched for a lot of different reasons and um, for anybody who hasn't um listened to or watched our Halloween specials that we did last year I had a similar thing with The Exorcist classic film beloved I had never seen it Mm -hmm. um, I had a very different reason for why I hadn't seen it. If you're interested in that, please go back to the episode. <laughs> um, the reason I just hadn't seen this one is because I don't think I knew that it flopped, but I just always actually thought it was a, a bad film. I didn't think it was really? a good film. Yeah, so I never... Or, so this is going to be hard to explain because I'm going to contradict myself a bit, but I thought it was just like another 80s B-movie horror kind of thing, okay. which I love. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, unironically, <laughs> the Nightmare on Elm Street series, I, I love nearly every film, even the bad mm. ones. When it comes to aliens, because I have like a very love-hate relationship with the genre, yeah. I can't really take cheesy, campy stuff mm. in that genre, and it appealed to me. Anyway, so obviously because we were going to be doing the episode, I decided to finally watch the thing, fully expecting to maybe not like it, and then having to decide whether I pretend that I liked it to save myself on the episode or... <laughs> be honest from my um, it has now probably become my favorite horror film ever <laughs> how the hell have you I never seen this? this before I'm not even joking I just I put it you know I put what? it <laughs> I will say for you and for listeners mm -hmm. I've just never paid you as a sci-fi person uh, if I've ever paid you it's, true, though. it's for like alien where maybe it leans more towards horror yeah and now I say that out loud actually it does make sense why you like the thing because some people call it sci-fi some people call it horror 
Mm-hmm. I would put it smack sci-fi down. horror. It is yeah. the only sci-fi that I and people are gonna hate me for saying this, but the only sci-fi that I say I always loved was probably Doctor Who because I was a huge Doctor mm-hmm. Who fan growing up, which I know goes into a lot of different genres. It's also not like what we're talking about today. Yeah, course, yeah. But you, you're not wrong. I've always had like, like I said, I love hate relationship with sci-fi and yeah. and and aliens in general. For example, the second season of American Horror Story. I was gonna bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) Whether you liked the season or not, I couldn't get into it because of the aliens part of it. It It felt like shoehorned in. Oh my god, so Mm. much! It was so unnecessary, and it took me out of it so much that, like, I was just like, "No, it's not for me." Um, And that's kind of how I've always been with alien stuff. Mm. So when it, yeah, when it came to watching the thing, I didn't really expect to like it, and I was hooked. Not only was I insanely impressed by the sound design and the visual effects yeah. it actually made me jump twice there that, were two parts of it that I was like Fuck. I feel like I can guess which bits go on I bet you can yeah was it the the clamp I guess oh, with, when, he, it. when yeah. he puts like his hands in yeah, yeah. there was yeah when and he puts his hands in the stomach thing comes out of the petri dish <laughs> yeah it was so stupid you know what right there is something about sci-fi horror and jump scares. They just work because yeah. you can almost go body horror with it when we're mm-hmm. talking extraterrestrial life forms, you know? And I think like, to me, that is the best form of jump scare is when, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that just doesn't even look like normal. N- nothing like yeah. we've ever seen, you know? Cause I find sometimes like when it comes to like ghosts and stuff, you've seen it a million times. Whereas yeah. it's something like the thing, you've never seen anything fucking like that. So it's just, it earns that jump scare that shock from you yeah it was insane I loved it (laughs) it was was great what was your favorite part of the thing probably the visual effects really because I I didn't expect it to be that like it's not that I didn't expect it to be good because I've always 100% preferred like visual effects of like decades gone not because I'm the kind of person that's like oh it was so much better in so and so time but because genuinely things have become so smooth now mm-hmm. is the only way I can think to describe yeah. it like through motion and texture mm. and stuff like that but it actually it's it's uncanny valley yeah. it doesn't look real and it really takes you out of the it's moment smooth, isn't it it's usually yeah, so like, it's that's why I've always been a much bigger fan of like puppetry and costume and things like that yeah. um I appreciate that like every so often you're probably going to need to put in some maybe CGI or things here or there. I'm also not saying that like obviously everything in the thing looks 100% real, but the difference is, is that I've never seen that kind of thing in real life. Yeah, of course. But maybe it does. Yeah. But because as far as I could tell, obviously it was all done with like, I don't know, puppetry, animatronics, mm-hmm. visual manipulation, whatever. It was, yeah, it was just so impressive and it was so gross. Oh my god, it's so gross. See, I'm going to go full nerd right now and talk about the practical effects. So in the 80s, there's a whole gang of these dudes who are getting massive doing effects. You've got your Rick Bakers, you know. Dude was insane. He did uh, An American Mile for London. Have you seen? I have, yes. Of course, that iconic Mm -hmm, transformation mm -hmm. scene, all that. So he originally was approached to do the thing. And he was too busy he couldn't fit him in because obviously the dude's in demand but I just I still think what would the thing look like by Rick Baker like I don't want it different I love how it turned out but it is mm-hmm. something that honestly you know I lose <laughs> sleep I lose sleep but, yeah. <laughs> um, so so the effects were done by um Rob Bottin 
Bowtin, Bottin, mm-hmm. um, and he did the makeup for The Howling, which is, of course, the other, you know, massive werewolf film of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Fact, the Howling came out the same year as American Werewolf in London. They're basically neck and neck. What was and going another on? another <laughs> fun fact, the mum from The Howling is in E.T., so, you know, it's all a bit fascinating. So this crossover happening all around yeah. this episode. I just really like that all these like makeup guys, all these same directors and writers and actors, they were all working with each other through the late 70s and 80s. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's part of where the magic comes from because it was yeah, comfortable with it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, I find it, I find the visual effects in the thing so interesting. And just in all those 80s horror films, and obviously we'll talk about in E.T. as well, but it's just, it just feels so much more authentic and you get so much yeah. more into it because just so much more care was put into the effects and you can almost feel it like through the screen when you're watching the film, not to get oh, yeah. with it, but like, oh my God, sometimes you just see a certain shot in say the thing and you're like, oh my God, the hours that must have gone into mm-hmm. that. And you just oh, yeah, kind of appreciate what you're seeing a lot more. Yeah, nothing felt like it was like half-assed or just thrown nothing. in for the sake of it. It did feel like it was thought out from beginning to yeah, end. Yeah, and because they weren't leaning on CGI, everything that was there, of course it's extraterrestrial, but it still had to be like, you know, like rooted in the real world, like laws of like physics mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It just, I don't know, it just, there's something about it. Like, yeah. I've watched the thing and I'm just, every time I'm in awe. Like, even if yeah. you don't like the story, the mm-hmm. acting, which if you ask me is insane, because I think the performances in this film are incredible. Like, even if you don't like any of that, the music, the sound design, like, you have to respect the visual effects. Definitely. But like um, you just said, I was just going to say as well, like, even like visual effects aside, the story was really good. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't, super intricate it was pretty basic but the way it was done was just done so well it was like feeding into like paranoia and isolation and yeah. just how human beings act towards each other like how quick we are to mistrust each other yeah. and it's like kind of just everything that I fear so I guess and it it really makes sense what you just said that yeah. like I actually kind of forgot that it was like classed as sci-fi going through yeah, it. Yeah, you do, you really do. Whilst they like literally found a freaking spaceship that this thing had come from, you saw that for a second and then it was more to do with obviously the horror that this thing was inflicting yes. upon them. It's so fascinating, isn't it? How it's mm-hmm. a sci-fi horror film, but most of the horror doesn't even come from, you know, th- th- those bits with yeah. the creature. It's the distrust, you know, and the, yeah. the paranoia. The paranoia is honestly palpable. Mm-hmm. Like the atmosphere in the thing is just like it's next level, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but yeah. it was. And the original script was a lot longer. Like they literally, it's like a fraction of the original script because they removed so much dialogue. And I mm. think like that really serves the atmosphere. Like mm. I think a film set in like what is it, Antarctica? Yeah, like, I think so. quiet around Antarctica. Like if everyone was talking every second, you wouldn't feel that dread so much. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's like it was. There was so many like elongated moments and like over the shoulder camera shots and things like that mm-hmm. where there was nothing. And it wasn't even like I was expecting something to happen. It was like, it was literally focusing on the absence of anything. And again, yes. it just really highlighted like the isolation of this. And again, that like, one of the most haunting moments was when, I can't remember what the character's name, but Kurt Russell's character mm. was like doing that um, tape recording basically preempting that they probably weren't gonna survive and completely like comparing it to something totally different but it was like a similar scene that I remember in the film Hush 
where she is typing out like she gets to like near the end of the film and because she doesn't think she's going to survive the scenario she's in she starts typing out what the guy looks like and things like that and mm. it was just really heartbreaking yeah because it was like that moment of defeat and knowing you weren't going to survive and it was a similar thing in the thing um when yeah he was just like if we all succumb to this nobody's gonna know and that's yeah. also scary because then if this recording doesn't get found and this thing gets unleashed into the world it's like how how do you fight that well there's um that little bit where they're calculating how long it would mm-hmm. take isn't there to take over fun yeah. fact the estimation is three years three years it would take that's not yeah. very long that's not very long <laughs> <laughs> No, yes, I can, I completely agree with you. This film is honestly a bit heartbreaking. Like you yeah, don't expect is. to go into it like your soul torn yeah. out. No, I didn't. End. I just didn't expect the emotion in it. Like to an extent, it's I think I, isn't it? Yeah, I expected like the visual effects and stuff, even though I'm still blown away by them. But the fact that it's actually like a thought out, fleshed out story, and it's not just, it's not just grim and gross mm. and f- for the sake of it it's really not yeah I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has seen it but if you haven't please go watch it it's amazing I'm now <laughs> the thing ambassador I know nothing else about it mm-hmm. but it's just I generally think it's become one of my favorite horror films it's I feel so like good. now you should go watch a bit more John Carpenter honestly yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so incredible that he got given this project like he originally mm-hmm. wasn't gonna it was gonna go to Toby Hooper and Toby Hooper did Poltergeist with Steven Spielberg. So that's another connection that we're getting through this, mm-hmm. you know, this whole area of dudes that can help us talk about Steven Spielberg. Great segue. Kind of well done. Can you tell we've been doing this nearly two seamless. years now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that leads us to E.T., which came out before the thing, as you mm-hmm. learned mm-hmm. very recently. Literally. Last right? Usually for like our episodes like I do quite a lot of like research because I love I love trivia I sometimes watch a film just for the sake of being able to go into IMDb afterwards just so mm. I look at the trivia um I don't know why I didn't but I didn't for these films so the only thing I kind of found out was that um E.T. literally came out like a few weeks before the thing premiered mm-hmm. and it was 100 percent a huge part of why it flopped oh at the time. yeah you can't deny it I think it might have flopped anyway just because of the era and how resistant people to were because to were <laughs> how resistant people were to <laughs> that kind of thing um because we've spoken mm. about it before like again we did an episode on like banned cursed and controversial films and it's strange to think what was classed as like controversial back then I actually think the thing did get banned in like Finland or something yeah it did whereas obviously E.T. was a lot more accessible to people it's just such a shame that any success it could have had maybe even Mm. like a, I mean I'm sure it did still get a cult following but like any kind of success it could have had at the time was definitely taken away by E.T. It was just forgotten for so long yeah I hate to say it I have only watched the thing last night, so I'm sure I'll calm down a bit. But I rewatched ET this morning. I've obviously seen it many yeah. times, um, but I rewatched it this morning, and it was really hard for me to watch it and not like nitpick at it because I was like, "Well, you know what? You did this, but the thing didn't do it." And like, <laughs> look how they did. And, like, I was like comparing like the special effects because I was watching it um, with Alicia, and she was saying to me, "She was like, it's just like crazy how good the special effects were back then." And I was like, "Haven't seen the thing." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that they're bad, 
but no, just I, get in, I think just saying. going straight from one to the other like if you've never say like watched the thing and then mm. watched et afterwards mm. i recommend doing it because yeah. you will just see the difference and the fact that i'm not taking away from et mm-hmm. success but the only reason it hit the way it did was obviously because of the accessibility oh yeah and the lovable story of it and things like that because it wasn't hugely revolutionary from its time as us talking about like just this one year no matter the whole decade of the 80s and even prior like parts of the 70s even steven spielberg himself said that he riffed on uh close encounters of the third kind from a few mm-hmm. years prior, you know, he literally said he took the idea for ET from the ending of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Like even the look of the aliens is pretty much yeah directly from that. So it's not. I agree, it wasn't like completely revolutionary. The thing isn't really either. But I yeah, think what happened with ET is just that we kind of look now at Steven Spielberg as almost like a cliche as a human being, and mm-hmm. we forget what a revolutionary filmmaker he was because the heart that he added to his films is insane because it's like I can't think of a single filmmaker where every single one of their films is like so heartfelt really Very you know true. like yeah. he makes a film about an alien heart heartfelt he makes a film about um well he didn't direct it but he produced you know um Poltergeist you know a film about literally like a ghost ghosts coming after a family heartfelt like mm-hmm. who else could do that in like every genre you know, yeah, and I true. feel like if it wasn't for Steven Spielberg, obviously ET just would not be what it is, you know, mm-hmm. and you can say the same for the thing with John Carpenter, but I just feel like if there's one person that made ET what it is, it is, it's Spielberg, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's something I definitely did realise because <clears throat> I never kind, I've never really watched ET of like, I don't even sound like an analytical mind but I've always just enjoyed it as a film I've never really thought about it but like like you said talking about it like that is like you can yeah if you took away the storyline and like the sweetness of like the relationship between Ellie and E.T but also the fact that both of them are like using each other to fill a void that they have mm. and things like that it wouldn't be the same it would actually probably mm. be a pretty boring film because it's like it's a sad story but like oh Alien gets lost on Earth yeah it's, more of a, it's a yeah. simple concept that has like these amazing like characters inserted yeah. into it you know mm-hmm. and like just this like very quaint very real you know small town world yeah. like I, I watch ET and I'm like damn like just like the pajamas they wear and the toys they have <laughs> and the food they yeah. eat everything about it just feels very like very it could be um, in your neighborhood you know it's like what is it cookie cutter America yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. It's just so cute, isn't it? And one thing yeah. I think adds to it is I'm not sure if you notice this, but so much of the film is filmed from the perspective of a child, and that's just so Spielberg to mm-hmm. me. Like he just ad- manages to add that like childlike awe to everything. You watch his mm-hmm. stuff and you go back to being a kid, and like everyone always like you know they cite like Jurassic Park, but I honestly feel like ET is probably the better example of it. Mm. I think it's also like a testament to <clears throat> the child actors that they obviously had in it as well. Oh because my if, God. if you had it, and like, don't get me wrong, I can't act. So I'm not expecting like any child to be able to, but like a lot of the time child actors don't come across very genuine. Mm. Either they come across as too old for their age yeah. because either they are, 
or they've been told to portray like really complex emotions that understandably, and you would hope that a child wouldn't understand at that age. So asking them to do it without any kind of reference or maybe experience is hard. Um, or they'll come across as really flat. Mm. They might come across as unlikable because, yeah. you know, not everybody likes kids, that's fine. So if they do like one little thing, it might annoy you. And then that really, when when they're like the crux of the film, it just destroys your whole experience I with mean, it. We're seeing this with a TV show, which recently released <laughs> a fourth season, but we'll get to that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but for now, staying on ET. Yeah, yeah. This, the casting, insane. Everything did tie together like so well. Do you know the story of um, the kid who played Elliot, how he got the role? I don't think so. So he literally, he like walks in the room and he starts like crying and he's basically like I think he said to Spielberg he was like just thinking about his dog that had passed away and this is like a child oh and he like you know he like accesses that memory and starts crying and this is what adults do when they mm-hmm. act. they access a memory and use it you know and like Steven Spielberg said he just like boom cast him on the spot like I believe and it. you can feel it when you watch that film like a kid should not be able to act like that no. kid does oh my god like you see like Haley Joel Osmond from like Sixth Sense and all like he became a household name mm-hmm. I don't know the name of the kid from E.T. <laughs> I couldn't I was actually gonna ask what like happened afterwards I don't know if you know if like he did anything I don't think so but it's insane. yeah so incredible in that film I'm sure maybe something happened maybe he was in a few flops or something but it mm-hmm. honestly blows my mind that he did not have an insane career like yeah what true. happened he's so good that scene where um he's crying Mm -hmm. as et is dying oh my god it still gets to me but this is what i mean though like again because it was better than cgi would have been but obviously Mm. the puppetry was especially et's model was very uh clunky i think is the Mm. only thing to put it like you know like he kind of walked like a penguin and i still quite like it oh no i think it's endearing i'm not saying that like it ruined the film or anything (laughs) but just like again watching it knowing we were going to talk about it i was watching it like a little bit more actively than i probably would have done so and also again because i was like riding on my thing high i (laughs) was being more critical than probably intended but like et always looked better when he was like just stood like just still and like that worked so like when you had the scene for example with like obviously when him and Elliot were dying and he was just this thing on the table Mm. and yet it was still so sad because yes true I feel like music can just make me get sad for any even (laughs) if it's an inanimate object um but the obviously the actor who played Elliot's editing was editing acting (laughs) was just okay I'm getting emotional thinking about it it's mixing up my words um was just so sensational that like you did you feel it like it hits you unexpectedly it hits you here like no matter how many times you watch it it happens and you're like oh god (laughs) I feel like it's because it goes beyond the acting I think it's because some part of you is so aware you're watching a child perform that you know Mm -hmm. and the fact that you know they're performing that for a fucking animatronic like he should not be that good. But did you know that 10% of E.T.'s budget went towards the animatronics? And that that is insane. 10%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this isn't, you know, the special effects budget. That's literally just the animatronic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it. Like, I don't oh, want to, yeah, like, course, say now yeah. that, like, I'm shitting right there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, again, you do have limitations of time and stuff like that. And I also don't think 
it should have been done any other way because like you just said I do like the clunkiness and mm. stuff of it it's just so funny the comparison between like when like he's walking and he's mm-hmm. literally like when you yeah. like get a doll and you make it walk and yeah. then you have like close-ups of like his hands that are moving quite well it's yeah just, you know this, this is where you can tell where it's like gloves and makeup yeah. and then where it's yeah. rope, you know like yeah definitely so even sure. though I'm not gonna like shit on the visual effects of mm. ET obviously but this is where like I think I I know the thing did more mm. but I also thought it was just better because I thought it with the thing it just melded together really well there was no kind of I can't really think of one special effect I mean I'm sure there is I have only seen yeah. it once at this point but there's not one special effect where I was thinking about it and I was like okay that took me out of it like I definitely knew whereas with ET there was that and those like no, few moments got you. but again definitely doesn't take away from the film as a whole mm-hmm. it's also a different kind of film like yeah. if you had had that in the thing it would have probably I'm not saying deserved the flop because again you're limited in what you can do in different mm-hmm. decades but I would have understood more why it flopped if it had those like really poor visual effects moments mm. whereas et could get away with it because like you said it had yeah. a it had a really heartfelt story and that's what people cared about more like in all honesty et could have been a dog and it still would have worked oh yeah you know what i mean obviously not on the same scale and it would have had it wouldn't have yeah. the same legacy but y- you see what i mean yeah I agree. <laughs> yeah have you um have you ever actually looked at the numbers for the budget and box office I, haven't, I was films. gonna ask you about okay, it okay so because I knew this was gonna come up so <laughs> the thing had a higher budget okay the thing okay. had a budget of 15 mil mm-hmm. which looking back 15 mil and they made that nuts but anyway um and then the budget of ET was 10.5 oh, that's crazy okay. so I've you actually, essentially can have hmm. you can take yeah. half of ET's budget and add it on top and you had the thing's budget but mm-hmm. see <laughs> on a budget of 10.5 mil E.T.'s box office was 792 million. I don't know if that's world. I feel like that's world. It didn't specify yeah. on Wikipedia, so you mm-hmm. know, take it with a grain of salt. The thing, the box office was 19.6. <laughs> Isn't it? In- what have they done to my boy? <laughs> <laughs> but it just honestly I, doesn't yeah, play no, I'm not. I'm actually not surprised by any of those numbers. And I'm kind of happy to hear that E.T. actually had a smaller budget because mm, it's, again, me being... It. it does. And also me being nitpicky, but it was even just like right at the beginning of the film. I think they do like a shot of like the town as a background. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just bad focusing, but it's it looks like a green screen or whatever, <laughs> right? But then mm. when they have people walk in front of it, the people, it looks like when somebody like cam records stuff in a cinema and mm. someone in the audience stands up and yeah. they're really out of focus. Like it looked like that. And I was like, this is the beginning of your film. <laughs> so to hear that like the, not only was the budget smaller, but like you said, 10% of it just went to the animatronics. I can that makes yeah. sense to me 100 <laughs> yeah. it just blows my mind though like looking at these numbers how you can make something like et which is so beloved for 10.5 mil and now like a marvel film will have a budget of like what like 300 million mm-hmm. and like this is just i'm, it, though, I'm like... not gonna say anything but... <laughs> <laughs> well i'm kind of almost gonna coax it out of you now but i was just gonna say to you brought up a really interesting point when we were discussing doing this episode that i never really thought about before mm. is how the definition of like sci-fi has changed yeah. and like you said when people say sci-fi 
you definitely but me to an extent think of stuff like like you said like E.T. the thing Star Wars that you know Mm. way back kind of thing yeah whereas classic sci-fi yeah yeah whereas obviously now people think of like you said because there are so many of them the Marvel films I always feel like they've replaced it I think I think so Mm -hmm. I I think so and I mean it's understandable because also things change over time and there is a chance that we could do like a whole 180 and then go back to how things used to be you know it's 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 hard to say really but especially obviously there are just so many of these films and they're gonna keep coming out until people are bored of them and I don't know when and Mm. We could talk about this another time, but like me and Leanne, I think have very different opinions when it comes to the films. If you mm-hmm. actually would want to hear about them, let us know. I feel like we just have to do it at some point or another. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> the first ever argument we've actually had on White Lives. Probably. No, but like, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I completely, I completely, I feel like we do have a similar standpoint on just like the state of say, like, not like cinemas, but you know, like yeah. how tastes are changing. We completely agree. Yes. So like, 10 years ago mm-hmm. you know people like to say like oh 20 30 40 years ago no 10 years ago you could walk into a cinema in july and mm-hmm. you could watch something like sci-fi you could watch like specifically a superhero film you could watch an action blockbuster like there were choices whereas now yeah. it's an existing property you know it's existing ip yeah. it's <laughs> almost always superheroes and people like to go oh but some are marvel and some are dc they're still superhero films. They still yeah. fall within that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you can explore different genres in the superhero umbrella, but at the end of the day, it's still a superhero film. Mm-hmm. And I just like people would be people would be so confused if they walked into a cinema and everything was just horror films, mm-hmm. you know, or if they walked in and everything was just romance. So I don't understand why it's become so normal. But anyway, yeah. I, could I think go on about this forever. <laughs> but I well, do this is miss. It a good fun sci-fi blockbuster mm-hmm. we discussed some um one i'm gonna throw out looper what a classic what a classic again but another alien, one i was surprised to enjoy oh my god looper incredible <laughs> i know yeah. it has its flaws love that film mm-hmm. um cowboys vs aliens <laughs> um <laughs> another one where i'm like mm, in time very divisive people seem to have a bit of a love-hate relationship with in time yeah you know I miss I miss sci-fi you know yeah a fun concept in a blockbuster Mm -hmm. that wasn't just superheroes I mean like there's not that many alien ones really I can think of in our lifetime you know there's yeah we had like some Star Wars films we caught the later end of the prequels and um but then I don't know I I don't know if that like counts because again it's like well it's not even just it's it's it's, well yeah it definitely is that but it's also because it's the ending of something that was begin begun like Lost. way back okay. so i don't i don't know if like, i can claim that as ours yeah. yeah true you know what i mean i agree but yeah no i think when it comes to like even though we might have different opinions on like the individual films themselves i do agree with you that like now because i said i go and i look at like cinema times for films and I remember when you sent me especially when like multiverse of madness came out and i think either you tweeted it or you sent me the yeah. screening times and it was like, cinema, like yeah. yeah but it was like like 6 a.m in the morning till like midnight it was like yeah. every half an hour and I was like don't get me wrong I know they make the money I know they make the money but my god it it does just it <laughs> yeah it you're right you yeah whether you love those films or not that shouldn't be a happy thing mm-hmm. it's like I would kill to see more like alien films back in the cinema they're so like 
they're such spectacle. People think, oh, superhero films are doing well because they're spectacle. There are mm-hmm. so many films of spectacle you can go see in cinema, like The Northman, films mm-hmm. like Gladiator, you know, Lord of the Rings, like mm-hmm. all these different things. Like, it doesn't have to be a superhero film to have spectacle. I think this yeah. is, you know, people's minds now immediately jump to Marvel films when they think of spectacle. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the case at all. Like, I don't know about you, I'm really excited for Nope. And that's going to be it. Yeah, me too. Like, I mean, it's not being confirmed, but it's pretty fucking obvious, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I'm really excited. Maybe we're being led around in a circle, but. <laughs> yeah, true. We'll, but like, we'll I'm, I'm really, really excited when, like, you know, when it first kind of became like a bit obvious it was going to be aliens, there was a lot of debate around it on Twitter. But for the most part, I found people were like, okay, mm-hmm. like, I'm excited to see. I'm interested. I was going to say, I'm interested to see that because I was really similar obviously again because of like how I am with like alien stuff in general Mm. I did see it and thought okay maybe this isn't gonna be for me but then yeah you're right I'm interested to see if it happens and if we get it an alien blockbuster but yeah I'm really excited for nope honestly but um I'm also really liking to see that a lot of sci-fi has moved to the small screen not necessarily a good thing because at the end of the day I would like to see it on a big screen but it is nice to see that it's living on in some capacity mm-hmm. which is leading us to da, 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 da. stranger things baby <laughs> and i'm just i'm gonna talk about the elephant in the room is it aliens you know th- this is cause for debate i oh i didn't actually think about this <laughs> <laughs> well, see uh, my mind automatically goes to alien because it's like alien beings yeah think alien means from another planet no it means f- you know, alien is something foreign, unrecognizable. It's from, they're from another dimension. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I thought alien did literally mean from another planet. <laughs> no, I thought no, because but then who's to, who's to, but the thing extraterrestrial? If we're gonna go uh, literal with it, who's to argue that the upside down isn't another planet? Maybe well, we're getting another dimension. If you ask yeah, me, yeah, yeah. No, you're so right. You're alien, right. Yeah, you know, but yeah, just to clear up the listeners. <laughs> I also think I would, and this is coming from me, but I would much rather prefer it to be alien than like demon because I don't know, it, yeah. it gets rid of the fun of it all of a sudden because there is well, a lot of fun. It starts to be like, oh, okay, because obviously it becomes it, basically. Really and that's ironic considering from the 80s. Yeah. So of course, going for the alien vibes. That's why your brain just goes, oh, it's aliens. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you all the kind of music, all the visuals, you just immediately, your brain associates that with aliens. Yeah. That yeah. is what they were setting up. Yeah, exactly. If, like, say it did go into, like, the demon side of it, it would then all of a sudden kind of become, like, it, which is ironic, considering I'm pretty sure it is was. An he is, yeah, yeah. He, it is meant to be an alien. Mm. Um, but again, that's just proof of how you set things up. Yeah. Because it is set up like a horror film, so again, because you associate like demons and monsters with well, demons with like horror, that's mm. what you kind of see him as, even if. Oh my god, this not. is fascinating. You know, you <laughs> because it's so funny how creatures which don't fit in a certain genre, your brain will trick you into thinking it's a certain genre. Because mm-hmm. oh my god, now you say it, like I didn't even think about it, mm-hmm. like mentioning it in this episode. <laughs> it is an alien. Yeah. I did think of mentioning Stranger very interesting actually but again just the manipulation of cinema it's i love it no yeah it's so fun mm-hmm. it's like that. yeah but then again like you said in stranger things whatever these creatures are mm. it's set up 
like I said, like the classic 80s alien sci-fi films that we knew. So that's what people yeah. see them as. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I know. It's funny, isn't it? Because they melded so many different things and it's just like, oh, it's still so impressive to me. People just want to be so quick to say like, oh, they just, you know, used 80s nostalgia. It's like, yeah, of course they did. And yeah. they would never deny that. But the way they blended it is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. let's use Stephen King title cards with like very John Carpenter-esque music. Like, who thinks, like, yeah. masterpiece, masterpiece. I think like a good kind of, I don't know, overall example of some people's reaction to Stranger Things and like the 80s themes is the most recent series with obviously Kate Bush's song Running Up That Hill and you've got people so split for the weirdest reason because some people are like oh I can't believe this song that was already a really popular song anyway it's like oh everyone's gonna find the normies are gonna find it or whatever and it's like but again, it's to do with people kind of criticising how like all Stranger Things stole from the 80s. And it's like, it, it knows what it's doing. No, it's, it's, it, we discussed this just before we started recording. Yeah. It's, it's paying homage. It's a love letter to an yes. era that was so important yeah. to the creators. Like, yeah, and it's the same thing with like, yeah, with this song. It's like, they're not saying, oh, no one's ever heard this song. We're going to make it big again. No. It was a famous song of the era. It fit yeah. perfectly with the scene. It's probably one of the best meldings of visuals and music I've ever heard in a while. Mm-hmm. And it just baffles me that people are like, why are you so upset that a whole new generation might actually be discovering something that, again, you know what's really fun to me as well a lot of people saying this don't seem to understand as well why it fits so perfectly into that moment in stranger things like mm-hmm. it doesn't even work it's like do you know what the song's about <laughs> you understand why it's max's favorite song you know mm-hmm. i just think a lot of people have been very quick to critique stranger things and don't get me wrong mm-hmm. like i've had my moments but for the most part i'm really happy that that show is as big as it is and that it's just become mm-hmm. this completely massive cultural touchstone like to the degree of like game of thrones if not bigger yeah i would say bigger quite honestly Mm -hmm. because it touches more age groups i yeah definitely yeah Yeah, i just think how can you knock on that how can you knock Mm -hmm. on something introducing young people to stuff they may never have been interested in before because Mm -hmm. of course you know a 13 year old today they're not going to be as fussed about the 80s as say a 30 year old Mm -hmm. they're so far removed from it I think a lot of yeah. middle-aged people forget that the 80s for them is like what a lot of you know <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot closer for them than it is mm-hmm. for teenagers today so I also think watch that and go damn I'd love to play Dungeons and Dragons or damn this Kate Bush woman's good like that's but that's you know it's, this is like I'm kind of I, I completely agree but I'm kind of going to go back a little bit on what you said just because I also don't think there's anything wrong with people just liking the show here and now mm-hmm. it's like a lot of people are like calling people fake. It's like, oh, have we ever actually seen um, E.T. or have we ever seen Nightmare on Elm Street? And it's like, you can like the show and not care about any oh, no, I of totally the references agree. or I anything totally like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's so it's just like, like you said, there's a lot in it for everybody. Yeah, because and... you can have the reward of, like we've said before, there can be the reward of recognizing a reference mm-hmm. or just enjoying the show you because know, it you know every reference. This is why it does frustrate me where like people obviously acknowledging where it gets its inspiration from is fine. But people saying that, you know, it's I said either like stealing or whatever, but 
it all fits together so well that mm. you don't have to know the references and exactly. the stuff to enjoy it. It just adds a little more if you do. Exactly. Um, and I think this new season in particular, like before we started recording, we were talking about how season three is probably our least favourite season. I know some people liked it, um, but until now, season two was my favourite season. Liana mm. said it, it was hers as well. Yeah. And we were talking about how it seems to be that like people who like season two probably didn't like season three and people who like season three probably didn't like season two and mm-hmm. you know or vice versa so but then I think season four kind of brought everybody back together again because yes, like because I think it yeah. returned to like a tone of season one obviously much darker yeah. and it will be because the characters have aged up and it's mm-hmm. you know just media in general is getting darker over the years honestly um but I think it's it's just like we discussed like I feel like the Duffer brothers, they really liked the horror elements of season one. So they lent into that in season two. Yeah. And then they were like, hold on, babe. And then they skidded over to, you know, the fun side in season three. But yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but in interviews with the cast, they called season three the black sheep season. I so I don't know. That. I'm not going to make any assumptions. Mm-hmm. But I have my theories about how they feel about season three, quite honestly. It did feel, I mean... I think as I said to you before that to me season three felt like they kind of panicked that the kids were getting they obviously the kids were getting older and they wanted to bring back that kind of youth and innocence to it again yeah but it just shows leaning in and the show growing with the kids works so much and Leanna made a really good point I agree with her I do wish they would have actually just aged them up sooner but as in like actually along with their actual ages it could have worked a lot better but then at the same time I also understand that would have isolated a lot of yeah their audience because the thing is the ages from like what 11 to maybe 18 are like really weird in the sense that you skip so many ages Mm. real quick like 11 to 13 is only two years but you become a completely different person 13 13 to 15, 15. Same, same thing. So it's like, yeah. So I, I get why they didn't. It's just definitely but... interesting because you see, I don't know if you've seen it, you know Millie Bobby Brown and Noah Schnapp who play mm-hmm. Eleven and Will? Mm-hmm. They're like this, aren't they? Yeah. They're besties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In an interview recently, they were talking about the age of the characters and they were both shocked by the character's age. They didn't realise how young the characters <laughs> are meant to be. I will have to send this to you after we finish recording sky but anyway it is it's so fascinating because they say something about like oh 14 and you know millie bob brown just shouts like 14 in her lovely accent yeah and it just (laughs) blows your mind because we find it hard to believe Mm -hmm. the cast can't even buy into it so i feel like Mm -hmm. i agree with you they shouldn't have jumped them to say 18 but i think maybe they should have been like 16 the problem with season three I think when season three came along there was such a big gap between season two and three no one could buy that those characters were like 13 years old in season three you just you couldn't Mm -hmm. you know and that was that really was a big issue for me with season three is it Mm -hmm. now you have said it it does make sense they're really trying to be like no 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 they're kids they're kids especially they could have done that part two They could have, yeah, they could have actually made it really ambiguous in the sense that just don't have it during school term. Well, season four. Have it during the summer. No, but that's what I mean, though. And it's like, why not just keep it during the summers? Because then you never actually really have to tell us how old they are. I don't know, because I kind of like it being in different seasons. Like season two, starting around Halloween, all a bit iconic. Them trick or treating. Oh, yeah. 
and I still think could... in the summer like if I like it being in different seasons but I still think you could you could have done it with seasons without involving the school too I just think I, I it's do, because I do the think school... they had to say it though I don't think you can have teenage characters without specifying ages I think then it gets very weird I think well, it's always well, gonna I come think... up because no because they always talk about it like you're no, never know, gonna have teenagers think... not say like senior freshman yeah junior, I middle school I... I don't, I'm okay, maybe it's because I'm not American, but I personally don't think it would have been that weird. I think I could have just, the thing is, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have known the kids were meant to be like 14 or whatever, Mm. but I'm not constantly reminded that they're meant to be, because then also you had the opposite. Mm. (laughs) I say the opposite, similar thing, but just pushing into like grease casting territory. You had the, I'm guessing he was a senior, but we had Eddie's character and that group, who all looked like <laughs> middle-aged people. Why were you in school? But do you see my point? Like, if you don't actually put them in a school, I will let you trick me <laughs> into thinking that they're meant to be younger than what they are. It's just, I feel like they kind of, they're, they're struggling because they want to cast the people they want to cast and they're just, they're not taking age into consideration enough at all. And I know a lot of people can look past it, but personally, I really struggle with it mm-hmm. because and it's then, already so fantastical. I do need some stuff to be a bit more yeah. rounded, you know? I also think, obviously, because with the pandemic and everything as well, there mm-hmm. was just like breaks where they didn't, when they were going to come back. So, look, it's not ruined the show completely. If anything, mm-hmm. it's causing like a bit of discussion. It's mm-hmm. like a little thing that people just like, not in a horrible way make fun of but just like we all know these kids are too old but then to be <laughs> fair throughout history we've always known that kids were yeah. too, too adults but, were too yeah, old to be this playing is kids just so much funnier because you've just watched them go through puberty like mm-hmm. i've been seeing all these jokes like you know when the trade-off season four came out and everyone was joking that finn wolfhard looked like he'd just been through his second divorce <laughs> i was dying all those jokes but like yeah. i don't know i just think same in season three yeah, a lot of season three was focusing in on how these kids are trying to be older than they are. You know, like teenagers do, and it's like, mate, but they do look that age. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. oh my God, they're only 13 and they're trying to act so much older. And it's like, they, like they're so obviously older. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I can't buy into it. Yeah. And I, you know, like, oh, it sounds so mean, but you know how Will in season three looked like such a, like a wet towel because he kept wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons with everyone. Like, no, we've yeah. grown up. And he's like, no, we're still kids. Like, yeah. That was his trauma response as well. I was going to say, that's mm. what I read that as. Because oh, yeah, I was no, like, it, it's both, isn't it? Yeah. But the fact um, that they did just, like, they suddenly were so lanky. You yeah. Know? It just can't. It, the thing is that, like I said, I get it. It can't be helped. No. Um, but one thing I will not forgive is um, CGI de-aged 11. Oh. Haunting. If <laughs> you get to Uncanny Valley, I'm not into it. I have to, like, I'm going to have to go back and watch the first seasons because was she ever really that small? She was teeny. <laughs> she was teeny tiny. Although I guess maybe she was meant to be even younger than what she was in season one. But anyway. She was, she was so young when they yeah. filmed that first season. She was 11 years old. Looking back on it is insane. Like, she was younger than the rest as well. Like, yeah. the others were like 12, 13, weren't they? Which, mm-hmm. when you're that age, feels like... Oh my god, that feels like ten years of difference, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Which is very. Scary. I can imagine these kids' lives. Like, obviously, I've seen a lot, and it is like obviously upsetting to see the stuff. Like, because obviously, you know, with 
stuff like this you like yeah like the memes and the poking fun and like but like from the fans but mm. then you do have like the really horrible stuff of like people mm. actually commenting on these kids and like I've seen I didn't even realize this was a thing until recently but like people saying for example like Millie Bobby Brown's like really annoying and I'm just for like, about six years have you seen she's actually like spoken out about it I ha- what well, I have now yeah. I didn't realize before and I was mm. just like my heart really broke for her because oh, yeah. I was just like Obviously, I know she's growing up now, but she was, she was literally she a was child. So great. Will Finn Wolfhard being gobby and sassy in interviews, but then when she would do the same. I'm not saying sexism, but I'm not no, not saying can. sexism. I mean, <laughs> it's just so funny, isn't it? Because it's like, it's so mm-hmm. fun having Stranger Things back for a summer. There's something about Stranger Things in the summer, which is great, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I mean, this episode is literally like the summer of aliens, so it fits perfectly. But it like, does. it is interesting, like seeing all this like discourse in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I guess it's, it's just very interesting to me. Like, I it's think... the summer, enjoy a show, you know? I'm starting to realise that I think this is also like... The beginning of things coming back if that makes sense because obviously you know we've had like recaps at the end of years and stuff and we've spoken mm-hmm. about how like these past two years specifically have been really drastically different from any other years but also from each other yeah and like we seem to now be coming back a bit to like you said there's like there's gonna be points this year where you can like say oh this was this part of the year and this was this mm. part of, like I said this was the summer of Stranger Things everybody was talking about it mm. I was gonna definitely watch it when it mm. came out but I was like trying to find the time and then I saw so much about it on Twitter I was like I'm just gonna watch I'm it now because it. I don't yeah. I don't like it's not even like I was caring about seeing spoilers I just wanted to be a part of it all going yeah. on right now like I enjoyed mm. going into work and talking about it with people yeah um so I am to like Game of Thrones and all, doesn't it? Exactly. Mm. So I, yeah, I am very excited. I know it's only gonna be like two episodes, but I'm very excited for it to come back. Also because, and I know it's probably intentional, but the last episode left me wanting a lot. Not as in yeah. just like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens. I just think it left on kind of like a bit of a, not as big of a hype as it could have done, but I get that it's a break. It's not yeah. a final episode. Yeah. So... Yeah, I am excited for it to come back. A bit nervous about the length. Not like I can't sit through it. I'm just like, why so long? You know what I mean? It's got me curious. It is weird considering that like a lot of people have obviously spoken about how like, give me like 20 minute episodes and I'll Mm. sit there all day. Give me like hour, hour and a half long and I need to split it over. I don't know. I don't know why they've decided to do that. Who knows? But I'm just like, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Season four's been good. The references Mm -hmm. in this season have been less like obvious, but they're more like tone based. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've seen a lot of discussion of like Nightmare on Elm Street and Robert England was in this. Was literally in it. Yeah. I'm fuming. No one told me. No one messaged me and said, Leanna, did you know that Robert England is in season four of Strange Things? Well, I didn't message you because I didn't know if you'd got into that episode and I didn't <laughs> want to like ruin it for you because but like when it that was really because, cool. Because obviously because of like who he is mm. iconically, it wasn't like seeing him. It yeah. was like, because and they knew what they were doing because mm. you heard him before you yeah. saw him. And you heard, like I was watching it. That's for the I was, fans, I was like, yeah. And I heard his voice and I was like, <laughs> I, I just I don't know we were talking before we started recording about say like references and how they can add something and we were mentioned like just you know a few minutes ago about how they're not essential but you can gain something if you know them mm-hmm. and like I kind of want to chuck some out there while we're on the topic of Stranger Things mm-hmm. so uh one of my favorites that I was literally recounting to Sky is that where is it um Sean Astin in season two 
that's kind of iconic casting. Mm-hmm. I think like we all felt our knees when we saw that. Yeah. I think <laughs> one of the best things they ever did in Stranger Things was have him in that map scene, drawing mm-hmm. the maps, finding mm-hmm. maps. What an icon! Also, the kids being into Lord of the Rings. Come on, like the. I think what I love about Stranger Things is that they managed to meld their homages and their references so well. So they'll yeah. literally involve people like Sean Astin, Robert England, and, all, and then they'll reference <laughs> the properties that they starred in <laughs> and be like, the kids enjoy these. And I yeah. just think that's so ballsy. It creates so much excitement though. And I yes. think this is why the show is doing so well because, you know, we said, I don't know if we've said it whilst we were recording, but we definitely said it before we started, that this show really does have something for everyone in the sense that you can watch it and just enjoy it because it is a really good show. Yes, mm-hmm. it has its moments that, you know, could be built upon better, but so does everything. Mm-hmm. Or you can like really pay attention, deep dive. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there's so much to explore. And again, that's what makes it exciting because you're excited by the story anyway. And then like shit, like, yeah, like freaking Robert England turns up and you're like, the fuck? You lose your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Or even little things, like they use music from John Carpenter films, and we've just mm-hmm. been talking about The Thing. Um, the kids have a The Thing poster in their basement, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's just the fact that you get to, like, you get to experience the excitement the kids do over things, you know? Yeah. And I'd say, especially for people like the Duffer Brothers age, you know, like people that grew up with that stuff. Like, I cannot even begin to imagine how rewarding watching Stranger Things must be. Like, it must mm-hmm. just be an absolutely, like, next level experience but what is so interesting on the flip side of that while they seem to enjoy it they don't seem to enjoy it as much as younger audiences and I don't know do they do they seem to see it as ripping off we've briefly talked about this maybe yeah I mean I think sometimes people don't let themselves enjoy stuff enough because they feel like it's like betraying the original yeah which yeah I will admit I I imagine you might have felt the same I not just for Stranger Things I have done in the past in in general like I've gone to watch something that was like either a remake but then I feel like if you're a remake you are asking for it or just stuff that was inspired by something that was similar to a sequel Mm -hmm. anything that's kind of tied to something else that even if the original um, media wasn't successful I just loved it Mm -hmm. it is hard to then go and not nitpick and criticize and sometimes generally even invent criticism because you don't like I said you don't want to portray your original source you know you don't want to admit that it's actually doing a pretty good job you know but it's like unless anybody doesn't know that you can love more than one thing (laughs) quite equally as well (laughs) that's something I'll definitely leave as like an end note as we're wrapping up this episode is that like you can enjoy Stranger Things and not, you know, nitpick it to death. Like, you enjoy the references. You don't have to analyze it like crazy. Honestly, in these TikToks, oh my God, they're doing too much. They are doing too much. I'm not sure if yeah. you're seeing them, Sky. It's too much. I usually skip over them. I can't watch. <laughs> it's okay to just sit back and enjoy a show, man. Like, mm-hmm. especially like we've been talking about this whole episode, something fun, some sci fi for the summer. You know, in, enjoy, enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. sit back, soak it in. But mm-hmm. I, do you have other stuff to add at the end of this episode? I feel like we're wrapping things up pretty good. Here. I think, yeah, I think I pretty much said everything that I wanted yeah. to say. I would like to say keep an eye on our socials for the next like couple of days or whatever, because just you saying sci-fi for the summer, I think we'll make some recommendations. Like I'm sure loads of yes. people know stuff, but it's like when you think like, oh, actually that would be like so fucking good as a double feature. And like, yes. like my first one is just 
please watch the thing and then watch et just they're so <laughs> different from each other but like the experience of watching them back to back i don't know just do it perfect <laughs> yeah you can have that real 1982 experience yeah <laughs> But yeah, like Sky said, keep your eye out on our socials. We've been putting out a lot of content recently. We plan to put out a lot more exciting stuff. And we just really appreciate the support. So give us a follow on Twitter and subscribe here. Like the video if you're watching on YouTube and you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's everything from us today. I think so. Oh, if also yeah. if you see us like just popping around anywhere, we're like really not scary. Just say hi. Tell yeah. us what you'd like or even, you know, don't tell us what you don't like about us. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, just have a conversation we're always happy to talk to people we're always also looking for like recommendations ourselves because we we love talking about stuff that we love but there have been times where like we've just had so much fun with something completely new so yeah I'd encourage that a bit more (laughs) definitely let us know new stuff it's always fun for us to discover Mm -hmm. new things as well Mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's everything from us today yeah and thank you for listening yeah bye bye